0: God is God, isn't he? He's a good God. He's a loving God. He cares about every one of your circumstances, every one of my circumstances. He's just a God that just loves us. He just can't help himself. He just is the epitome of love. You know, when he said Jesus, he had you in mind. If you were the only one on the planet, He had you in mind. You would have crucified him. He would have died for you. And he would rise again to give you new life. That's just the kind of God we serve. He just loves. He just can't help himself. He just loves. Amen. Well, Father, we come to you. We thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. To do what you do best. And that's to move in the supernatural. Lord, there are supernatural needs that are represented here tonight. You promised us in your word. If we would heed to your word. Follow your instructions. Hook up with the Holy Spirit of the living God. You would cause us to do exploits. You said we could lay hands on the sick, they'd recover. We could cast out devils. If we eat any deadly thing, it'd not hurt us. You've prepared us to do marvels and wonders. And so we give you praise, we give you honor and glory tonight. We thank you, Lord, for that which will be spoken. Lord, we just yield ourselves as a vessel in the hands of a sovereign and a mighty God. You said we would be an oracle of God that would speak in your behalf. You've always needed someone to fulfill the direction and the commands that you've already given. And so, Lord, we just count on the Holy Spirit to live big and strong in us and through us tonight. Thank you, Lord, that ears are open and hearts are prepared. Ready to receive the seed of your word in Jesus' name. Everybody's in agreement. Say amen. amen. Give somebody a high five and you can be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. We were in such unity a few moments ago. Uh, I don't know if you sensed it or felt it, but there was a tangible anointing that was moving in this body. We're in a special time. This is a special venue that the Lord has for us. And I've been praying about for a number of, of weeks after I found out that Pastor wanted us to share tonight what my part would be, what the Lord would have me to do. And tonight I'm going to minister on the power of unity. We've already been in it, but I want to talk about the power of it. The ability. How many of you believe that we're living in the last days? If you listen to Dr. Savell this past Sunday, He said that there was a shift that's taken place. There's a new era. There's a new venue. There's something that God has that he has begun. It's already begun. It's not something that we're looking for. It's something that we need to step into. And so in order for us to do that, we have to be in unity. We could have stopped just a few moments ago. We could have. We could have just stopped. We could have gone out and laid hands on the sick or laid hands on the sick that are in here. And miracles would transpire and take place because God is with us. How many of you believe that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world? I believe that. I believe that we are the conduit that God has given to this planet called Earth to be able to touch every human being lost, and saved. That's our mandate. He said, go ye. Notice he did not say sit ye. There's a time to sit, but there's a time to go. There's a time to move out and see the hand of God move. I'm, I'm looking forward to see blind eyes open up, deaf ears unstopped, the lame to walk, the dumb to talk. Amen. The disease to be set free, the demon possessed, to have demons removed from their life permanently. Not just for a short period of time, but permanently. Same way with sickness. Sickness has no right to this body. This body belongs to God. Your body belongs to the Lord. And you have a covenant. That blood of that covenant will never fade. It will never dissipate. The only thing that keeps the blood of the covenant operating and working is us getting in agreement with what he said. You don't even have to understand it. All you have to do is get in agreement. If he said, if any two of you on this earth would agree, just agree, get in a sense of agreement, he said that anything that we ask, anything that we ask in Jesus' name, he would do it. Now, we know it has to line up with the will of God. We can't be asking him to do things that are contrary to his word. It has to line up with his word. But I don't think there's anybody in here that really doesn't want the word of God to be working in their life. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you. Those of you are viewing by live stream, it's the same for you. God has perfect plans for you in your life. He wants to bless you immensely in every area of your life, spirit, soul, body, and domestic. Can you say amen? Amen. In Proverbs, I'm going to start with Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. In the Amplified, it says, Where there is no vision, that is a redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But how many of you know, we've got vision. We've got vision. We've got direction. It's written down. We can read it so that we can run with it, according to Habakkuk. And we can go and we can carry out and and win the dictates of what God has for us. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm 133. You all know this Psalm. 33. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Version. He said, Behold, how good. Everybody say good. Good. He said, How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration. Poured on the head, coming down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down on the hills of Zion. For there the Lord commanded, say he commanded. He commanded commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, how many of you know that you're going to live for eternity? You are an eternal being. God created you that way. Why? Because God put himself in man. He created man and breathed in him and made him a living soul. And you follow after Adam and Mrs. Adam, you are a living soul. But Jesus came, the second Adam came, because high treason was committed in the garden because the first Adam failed. But Jesus came back and won the victory and he became a what? He became a living spirit. The first man became a living soul with a mind, a will, and emotion. And how many of you know he did not have any deception whatsoever in the garden. He lived in peace. He had total harmony with God. He acted like God. He talked like God. He had the mind of God. God walked with him in the cool of the day, and they had obviously great conversations together. Every beast of the field he had control over. All the fish of the sea. Everything that lived and and breathed and had its movement, he had control over it. He was in charge of the earth that God had created for him. He failed in the garden because he became deceived. We always blame the woman because she was deceived by the serpent, right? But did you know that he was standing right next to her? Where was his covenant with God at that moment in that time? Because God said very clearly to him that he was in charge. It was his responsibility to see to it that everything the house was maintained and kept. Now I'm preaching real good right now. We're getting down to some nitty gritty here. We're talking about unity. If we can't get unity in the house, how can we get it in the house of God? Because the house of God is what the house is. If my wife and I can't get in agreement, and then we come in here and put on a face that is artificial, it's not really the way that it should be. It's not moving in the spirit, it's moving in the soulish realm. And we can't talk to one another. We can't get in agreement with one another. How am I going to get in agreement with the things of God and with the house of God and the vision of the house. We have a vision, but church, the vision is something that God gives, but it is something that he gives for us to fulfill. You got quiet on me. Not the preacher to fulfill. Thank God for our pastors. Thank God for our apostle. But it is not their job and their responsibility to bring the vision to pass. It is us united together as one to complete what it is that God has established. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said we are a many-membered body. We are fitly joined together. Each joint supplies a need. Each one of us has a part in this. Every revival that has transpired prior to this day and time in which we live has failed. What do you mean it failed, Pastor? Well, it accomplished a certain task, but it did not complete. God has been trying to get the church to come together, unite together, so that we can bring back the Lord. Because it is our responsibility to unite together, and we're the ones that's going to usher in the presence of the Lord. If you don't believe that, just read your Bible. It is you and I's responsibility to unite together. I know we love one another, but do we love one another? It's easy to say, I love you. But Jesus had a response. Love has a response. And it has a responsibility. I'm responsible to the body of Christ. I'm responsible to the world so that we can accomplish what we need to accomplish in this earth to bring back our Redeemer, which all of us want him to come back. Now, some of us may not want him to hurry up because we would like to live a little bit longer up on this planet. You know, someone asked, a, uh, you know, his congregation one time, and, and one of the, the leaders of, in, in the congregation, one of his deacons he lifted up his hand and he said, are, are we trying to get all the buses together right now? <laughs> in other words, I'm not ready. I'm not ready right now. Another pastor, he had a young man in his church and he was, this is a true story. This young man, he just was chomping at the bits to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He just couldn't hardly hold himself back. Any of you ever been there? I know I was like that. When I had the call of God upon my life and I knew that the Lord had called me and separated me for the purpose of the gospel, for ministering the word of God and everything else, I was in the corporate world, working in the the business world and doing quite well. But when that happened to me in my life, it just made a change. Well, this young man... He went to the pastor's house, and he knocked on his door. He went in, and he sat down with the pastor. He says, Pastor, I'm called to preach the gospel. He said, I'm ready to preach. Pastor looked at him, prayed with him a little bit, and he said, you know what? You're not ready. You're just not ready to preach the gospel. And he was disheartened by it. He left the pastor's house disappointed, just like probably some of us. Well, pastor, what's this got to do with unity? You'll see in just a second. So he went back again, and he knocked on the pastor's house a few days later. And he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I know I'm called of God, and I need to go and preach the gospel. He said, man, you've been faithful in our church. You're a great young man. You've supported the house of God. You are absolutely wonderful. You've you've taught in our classes here and everything else, but you're not ready to preach the gospel. And the young man left the house again, went home, told his wife, he said, the pastor doesn't, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. And so about a week and a half goes by and he's praying, he's seeking the Lord and finally he says, I'm going to the pastor's house and I really don't care what the pastor thinks. But I'm going to let him know he is my pastor and I'm going to respect him for his position, but I'm going to let him know I'm going to preach the gospel. Whether he likes it or he doesn't like it. So he got up and he went to the pastor's house and went into his house. He said, Pastor, Please sit down. I just have something I need to say to you. And the pastor looked at him and he said, okay. He looked at his pastor and he said, Pastor, I'm going to go preach the gospel. I know you've told me I'm not ready. But when will I ever be ready? I am ready right now. My heart is absolutely breaking to go out and preach the gospel Of Jesus Christ. And he kept pleading with him. And he kept telling me. He said pastor it doesn't make any difference. What you say I don't want you to say anything to me. Because I'm going to go preach the gospel. And that pastor full of wisdom. Looked at him. Thank God for pastors like this. Looked at him. And he said young man. Now you're ready to preach. As long as I could talk you out of it. You weren't ready. But now that I can't talk you out of it, I'll help you to do everything that you need to do to preach the gospel. That's what unity is. Unity sometimes loves you so much that it has to kind of pull back the reins to get you back on the right track so that You can hear from heaven yourself and know without question, without an inkling that it is God. Because whenever he says and the pastor says and others say we need to go out and lay hands on the sick, cast out devils and everything else, if you haven't heard from heaven yourself and you don't have the revelation knowledge yourself on that, you need to sit until you get it. Now that doesn't mean sit indefinitely. There comes a time that we get it. Well, that's the same way that he's saying out of Psalm. The anointing is indisputable. You can't alter it. You can't stop it except hinder it. You can quench it. You can grieve it. But you cannot stop the call of God that's placed on your life. He said the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In other words, God never changes his mind. Oh, you may never be called to stand behind a pulpit, but I want you to know that pulpit ministry is not the greatest ministry. It's a wonderful place for those that are called to do that. But not everybody is called to be a preacher behind a pulpit, but we're all called to preach. Amen? Amen. It's an anointing. It is something that comes from heaven. It is not something that comes from man. I don't need man's approval to do what God has called me to do. What I need is for them to realize and see the gifts and callings in me and help me along my journey. The greatest thing that I can do, the greatest thing we can do for one another is to encourage one another and to build one another up. That's our job. Oh, wait till we get to some really good part. Go with me, if you would, please, now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Look at your neighbor and say, We need to speak the same thing. Now, there's only one way you and I can do that. We have to be in the same book, on the same page, walking and flowing together as one. We can't be in a different, And I'm not, when I say the same book, I, I'm talking about the one that God breathed out through mankind. I know that man has written it down and put it in ink for us and everything else. It's the spirit that's behind this book. It's not the pages. It's the spirit that's behind the book. He said, if we would follow after the spirit, we had not mind nor fulfill the lust of the flesh or the drives of the forces of the soul. When he was talking to the churches in Galatia and in Ephesus, He said, these things that are going on in the church, lasciviousness, adultery, fornication, all of these other things that he lists, he was talking to the church. Did you know that this book was not designed for the lost? It is your manual to be able to give the directions and the greatness and the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. But it is something that he gave to you and I to live by. Every epistle that Paul wrote in here was written to the church. Did you know that whenever God began to do the book of Revelation, he spoke to the pastors of the churches? He didn't go to the people. He went to the pastors. And he said, this is what's going on in your church. And he says, and you're allowing it. Now don't get, don't look at pastor. (laughs) Because if the church would be on their knees praying like they're supposed to be praying for the pastors that are leading and guiding and directing them that are watching for your souls that they must give an account, he said that that would be good for you. Yes, sir. In Hebrews chapter 13. The responsibility is tremendous. Do you know how hard it is? Did you know the easiest people in the church to teach are right over there? They're the easiest. They're the most pliable. You know who the hardest ones are? Look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. (laughs) Relax. Relax. Enjoy. The fellowship that God has given to us. The early church knew how to put it together. And then they were just like the children of Israel of old. They would do everything right for a while and then they would really mess up. And you read about it in the, the epistles that Paul wrote to the church. Trying to get us to come back into order. That you speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. Now what does that mean? No divisions. What is a division? Let me help you. Die. Vision. Die. Vision. It separates Vision. Die, meaning more than one. There can't be more than one vision. Well, I got a vision. Well, your vision needs to match and line up with the house that God called you to. Gee, I I pastored for forty-one years. I've got vision. I got vision. But that's not what God called me to do when he told me to step down and do what I'm doing today is to hook up with my pastor. My pastor and his wife, they have the vision of this house with, with, thank God, with the apostle that is assigned to this, this house to be able to keep vision clear and have clarity so that we can do exploits in the name of the Lord and get the results that God says we should have. So there can't be, there can't be, how many of you know anything with two heads is a freak? (laughs) It is. Anything with two heads is a freak. I'm not going to go this other, I was going to go somewhere else, but I'm not going to go there. I'll save that for another time. He said, but that you be perfectly joined together. Now I want to help you. The word perfectly means maturely. It means maturely. That's another word that could be placed within that word perfectly. There's none perfect. No, not one. So there's no way that you can have perfection until you are clothed with this new life that's incorruptible. As long as you live in a mortal body you're going to have the potential to make mistakes in your life. And that's where the body of Christ has to be able to look beyond the fault and see the need. There can't be any divisions. We've got to be hooked together. We've got to be on the same team. We have to have the same type of mentality. We have to have the same desires. That's the reason that it says, with you like fellow brethren. We're, we have the same likeness. Did you notice that the, the, the 12 apostles that Jesus had... uh And I've said this, I think, last time that that I ministered. uh, Well, I know I said it in the leadership that, you know, Jesus had thousands that followed him. But he only put himself into 12 men. That's all he put himself into. And it was those 12 men that he had to get in sync to be able to carry out what we have today. Thank God for their obedience. I mean, they're fish, they were fishers, you know, out in the water. Uh, they were tax collectors. I mean, they came from all different walks of life. And Jesus had to put himself into those 12. That's the reason he pulled them apart. And then he had three that he even put himself even more. Peter, James, and John were the ones that he pulled aside. And how many of you know that one of the ones that he pulled aside committed the same high treason that Judas did? His name was Peter. He denied the Lord. He denied him. But the difference between Peter and Judas was Judas, he cried because he did something wrong. He repented himself. But Peter didn't. Peter repented to the Lord and said, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me. That was the only difference between the two. We need to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You know, it's okay if we don't know everything. It's okay. I don't know everything. Matter of fact, the longer I've been in ministry, the more I realize how much I don't know. I listen to some of these young preachers preaching. I say, where in the world was I? Man, they're getting some revelation, and I thank God for it. Thank God. They've only been in the Lord for just a few years, and they're preaching like they've been in the Lord for 50 years. The anointing has increased. The Lord said in the last days, it says in the book of Daniel, that knowledge would increase. That's in every aspect. How many of you have a computer that's six months old? At least six months old. It's outdated. How many of you have a telephone that's three months old? It's outdated. I just got one that should have been in the Hall of Fame of telephones. I mean, it was an old phone, really old. I mean, it had that flip top. I mean, it's old. didn't have internet connection. I could text with it. It took me forever to learn how to do that. I'm still learning. Well, one day before we moved down here, I had it for years. And they kept telling me, my kids kept telling me, Dad, you need to come up into the 21st century. Come up into the 21st century. He said, Dad, you're in the 20th century. 19th with your phone. You need to come on up. I said, I'm comfortable. He said, Dad, you don't preach that. I used to always say, be open, teachable, and subject to change. And my kids would tell me, he said, Dad, you're not open. You're not teachable. You're not subject to change. You need to listen to what you preach. I said, you better wait just a minute. You're talking to your dad. You're talking to the boss. These are adult children. And so, anyway, we were washing some clothes, and evidently it got left in my shirt pocket, and it got washed. I tried everything to revive it. Everything, because I was attached to it, and it was attached to me. But I needed a deliverance. And my wife finally told me, Diane was already, you know, up she had new phone and everything else, and she said, Phil, you've got to I, I said, Let me try this. So I tried drying it out. I tried laying hands on it. I did. I tried laying hands on it. He said, Lay hands on the sick. It was sick. Lay hands on it. And it shall recover. It didn't recover. Didn't recover. What's that got to be with do with unity? Everything. The word works when you work the word, but it has to be worked in the right way. Now, I'm not saying he couldn't heal the phone. He could have, but I needed to change. I needed to change. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to change too. <laughs> Don't linger there very long. Go with me to Philippians. No, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. He said, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be mature. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Be of one mind. Now, I can get six people up here tonight and ask them a specific question about a scripture. And there's a real good chance I'm going to get six different answers or somebody trying to parrot what somebody else said, to copy what somebody else said. Oh, I like that definition. But we need to be of the same mind. We need to have the same revelation. The same Jesus that lives in your pastor and lives in Dr. Savelle lives in you. You can get the same revelation. It just depends on whether you want it or not. How bad do you want it? How bad do I want to get the revelation that God has planned for me? But as a body, we have to start thinking corporately. How many of you know there is micro vision and then there's macro? How many of you know the difference? Micro is you're doing it yourself. I can just do it and get it done and get it over with. Macro gets other people involved to help you to get the, uh, the task accomplished. That's what Jesus did. Jesus couldn't do everything by him. He could only be at one place at one time. He was limited to a flesh body. So he had to put himself into others, which helped put into others, which helped to put into others. He got 75. Then he got 500, and it just spread and spread. Now we've got hundreds of millions that are getting the vision of what God is doing, but there's a last day event that is happening, and we're going to usher in the presence of the Lord, and we have to be of one mind, of one accord, in this one place, so that we can see the hand of God move. How many of you want to see the supernatural? I mean, you've read about it all your life. How many of you want to see it? Well, I've seen blind dollars open up. I've seen deaf ears unstopped. I've seen people demon-possessed slithering like snakes on the floor, and God just set them free. That's a little boy that hadn't walked a day in his life. He walked on his knees. The back of his legs had grown, tendon had grown from his from his, what little bit of meat he had on his calf back to the back of his leg because he was on his knees like this in tire tubes with two little crutches and he was going down the road like this. He came to our service. This was in the Philippine Islands. And through my interpreter I said, "Give me. I'm asking you to bring the worst case that we have present tonight to the front and let's see what God will do. And you know what? They brought this little boy down front. They set him up in the chair, but when they set him up in the chair, his legs went back underneath the seats because of this flesh that was attached back here. So we just begin to pray a simple prayer. And people out in the auditorium were praying. A lot of them were Christians, and they were praying. And all of a sudden, this little boy's legs just went boop. They were right straight out in front of him. Not, they were down on the floor, but they had popped out from underneath the chair. So I walked over to him, and I said, stand up. The interpreter told him what to do. The little boy stood up. I said, come follow me. I grabbed him by his little hand, and we began to walk. He wobbled, but he walked. First time in his life he ever walked. We were at an open-air crusade, and there was a man that was probably about the third row back. He was totally blind, never seen a day in his life. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody touched him. But all of a sudden, I was watching. I wasn't preaching that night. Somebody else was preaching, and I was watching. And this guy's eyes, they began to twirl. Colors began to move. It was totally white. He had no pupils. It began to twirl. You could see the color. And all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, he screamed out. I don't know what he screamed out. But obviously, he could see for the very first time in his life. It wasn't anything that anybody did. It was something that the people did by the praise and worship that they had been involved in. They created an atmosphere that became conducive for the Holy Ghost to move. We just want him to move up and down the aisle. Nobody laid hands on him, nobody touched him. God did. The atmosphere created it. We're creating that atmosphere. What you were doing tonight, you're creating an atmosphere that becomes conducive. God can't help himself but do what he said he would do. He said, try me. He said, prove me. See if I'll not do. He wants us to get in such one accord together. No divisions, no isms, no chisms, nothing between us. So that we can see the hand of God move We got hurting people outside these walls We got hurting people inside these walls We need to touch our own before we reach out How do I know that this happens? Because the word of God, that's the way it happened If you go back and read They went out and 12 together, didn't they? Two by two What was their report when they came back? They said, man, the deaf here. The blind see. It just happens with everybody everywhere we go. It's the anointing. It's the same anointing that Jesus has. It's the same anointing that your pastor has. My pastor has. We operate underneath that anointing that God has with the apostle and the pastor of the house. You're operating underneath that same anointing. That's the reason that when we're we're believing God is adding to the body and he's adding to the body. But we're believing God's adding to the body the ones that he wants here. Because we all need to be on the same page together in the same book going the same direction. We don't need to have any friction. We don't need to have any ism. We don't need to have any division. We don't need to have any backbiting. You don't need to leave the servers and say, I don't know what that Pastor Phil was talking about. I can't get along with that person. I'm not going to get along with that person. I'm going to sit on the other side of the church just like I've always done. I'm not going to get it straight. I'm not going to get it right. Well, just be a fuddy-duddy. Don't let the anointing flow in your life. But please don't come and lay hands on me. Because I need a point of contact. When I need a point of contact, I need a point of contact. Amen? Amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, Jesus. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. How long do I have, Pastor? Well, I can't take all night. Although Jesus did preach all day. And you know what? They stayed because there was an anointing, and it destroys the yokes of bondage. Amen. I'm so excited about when we started. Thank you, Danny, for being obedient. You probably could have gone just a little bit longer. In In my spirit, there was an old song. It just kept coming up in my spirit. I said, peace, peace, wonderful peace is coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, like fathomless billows. Of love. That's the love of God. That's what I felt. I like to be in that presence. Amen. Always. Are you at first Peter chapter three? Starting at verse eight. He said, Finally. Finally. <laughs> he said, I'm getting down to the end here, finally. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. Where did he command the blessing? In unity. That's where he commanded it. When God makes a command, it doesn't end. It didn't stop in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled it, but it didn't stop it. The command is still there. That's the reason you still quote Psalm 23. That's the reason you quote Psalm 91. That's an old covenant scripture that was ratified and satisfied and fulfilled by Jesus Christ himself through his blood, but he didn't do away with it. He kept it intact because it's for you and I to enjoy the full provision of. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil In his lips from speaking no guile. Let him eschew evil, get away from it, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Colossians 2 and 2. He said, let their hearts, let their hearts, they might be comforted, being knit together in love. Knit. What does that mean? Knit together. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. It means to unite. (laughs) To unite together. To compact. To be compacted together. To be, to entrust. Listen, it's hard in this day and time to trust people. Because there's been such a, an era built up of untrust. The question is, is who can we trust? We ought to be able to trust one another. Listen, when you talk to somebody, keep it to yourself. It's between you and them. Amen. Amen. It's, it's no different. You know, we don't have the right to be talking about anybody behind somebody else's back. We don't. That's That sows discord. And God said one of the things that he hates, one of the seven things he hates, is those that sow discord amongst the brethren. He hates it. He doesn't like it. It creates division. division. It splits the vision. It keeps it from happening the way God wants it to. And into all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Now I want to give you some examples in action that you find in the New Testament. We can find some in the Old Testament, but I want us to get into the New Testament because that's, you're a New Testament church. I'm a New Testament church. I've been bought by the precious blood of the Lamb. The Old Testament didn't have that. Jesus preached to them in Abraham's bosom and led them out of captivity. That's where they went. They went into that solitary place called Abraham's bosom. And it was in Sheol, which is Hades, which is hell. But it was a separate compartment in there that was housing the souls that believed in God all of those years. In the book of Hebrews, chapter Number uh, 11 that we read about, you see the Hall of Fame of Faith listed there. It says these all died in faith, never receiving the promise. They died in faith, never receiving the redemption. What they had been believing for, the Messiah to come and to ransom them back. But I want to show you a place where it happened because people got in unity together and it flowed. Go with me to book of Acts chapter number 2. You know this real well. But I want you to see. I want you to pinpoint. I want you to pinpoint with me. What is it that calls the Holy Spirit to come? Why did he come that day? It says when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were With one accord in one place. What was, what were they? They were in one accord. They were in one place. And suddenly, what caused Mr. Suddenly to move? What caused him to move? One accord in one place. And the key word, they were unified. They were in, they finally got in unity. Notice it didn't happen whenever they were trying to decide who was going to replace Judas Iscariot. You know, Matthias is not mentioned anymore. He got voted in, but he did get put on the team. Paul the Apostle got put on the team. Saul of Tarsus, the unlikely candidate. But he's the one that got to fulfill that slot. God always had a plan. He's always had his plan. I don't know why we try to work our own plans whenever he's got a plan that works already. <laughs> we need to stop that. I'm not saying we're doing it. I'm just saying if we are. We need to stop it. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. That word cloven means divided tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues and the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now I want to ask you, what was the miracle on the day of Pentecost? Be careful how you say. Think about it. What did you say, Pastor? Unity. It was not tongues. Tongues was not the miracle. That was just the experience that God had for them and He had talked about it Uh, in the Old Covenant concerning what would happen to him. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue, will I speak unto my people? So he already had everything set up. Everything was ready to go. All he needed, all he needed, Vic, was to get you and I in unity and to get your wife in unity, get my wife in unity. And God said, if we can get in unity like that, we can get hooked up together like that, we can believe together like that, on the Word of God, we can have what the Word says. We can have our healing. We can have our deliverance. We can have our victory. We can have everything that we need if we just stay in unity. What caused that day to happen? Unity. They were of one mind, one accord. In one place. Go to Acts chapter 4. Starting at verse number 24. You got just a few more minutes? I'm almost through. Acts chapter 4, verse number 24. It says that when they heard, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with what? One accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy uh, child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that we may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of that holy, of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken now the only way that they prayed obviously was in unity because the place didn't shake until then the place was shaken how would you like to be in one of our prayer meetings on monday when we're praying and this foundation began to shake amen he has he, he's done that more than once I'm going to read another place where he did it. He can still do that. No, it's not going to be an earthquake. It's going to be the move of God. I mean, what's really shaking is the people. It's it's what's in them that's causing the Spirit of God to move in the dimensions of That God wants them to move. The place was shaken. Where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that they had aught of things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. You all know what the rest of the scripture says. And it said, With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. None of them lacked. For as many as uh, were possessors of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Find out if we're real selfish or not, wouldn't we? Find out if we're self-centered or we're body motivated. Don't shout me down. I didn't write this. I mean, I have to live this just like you do. There shouldn't be a need in this body that doesn't get met. When the need is made known, we just should respond. You're really quiet. How many of you want revival? How many of you want move in Revival? How many of you want to see signs and wonders happen? How many of you want to be used with signs and wonders happening? Amen. Well, we have to put ourselves in a position that we're not our own. We belong to the Lord. There's not a thing that we possess. There's not a thing I possess that belongs to me. If God wants it, he can have it. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't tell you the number of times that my wife has just written everything out of the checkbook or given a substantial amount. We had an agreement together a long time ago that if God tells you to do something, just do it. Don't tell me, just do it. Don't ask me my opinion because I may know what's coming up. So we have that agreement. Most of the time we get together and we say, did What are we supposed to give today or give tonight? Plant a seed. And it really hardly ever fails that we have exactly the same figure. You know why? Because we're one. We're one. Connected to the same source. One together. They laid it at the the apostles' feet. Distribution was made to every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who, by uh, by the apostles was surnamed Bar, uh, Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite in the country of Cyprus. Go with me to Acts chapter number five. I just have three more things I want to give you. Acts chapter five, verse number eleven, and it says, "Great fear came upon the church." And upon as many as heard these things, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. What is the peace to the success of what's about to transpire? They were in one accord. They were in unity together. God commanded us to get in unity In Psalm 133, he commanded us to get into unity because that's where the blessings flow. Don't you want your neighbor to be blessed? That's where it flows, when we get in unity together. You know, the Bible says we rejoice when when everyone else is blessed. We should rejoice. Don't get mad because somebody got something before you got it. Well, I've been believing for a brand new house, and, and it just seems like it never comes. And then somebody, one of your friends or one of the acquaintances of the church, just gets them a brand new home. Are you angry because they got their home? Are you upset because you didn't get yours? Well, they've only been saved for, you know, like two years. and Look at what God's doing to them. I've been saved for 50, and I haven't got mine yet. That's why you had not got it. Your attitude has determined your altitude. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So they were in unity, one accord in on Solomon's porch, and, the, and the, the rest, no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets. And laid them on beds and couches. That at least, that at least the shadow of Peter. Man, this guy has an anointing, doesn't he? That his shadow, that his shadow passing by. How many of you have the same Holy Ghost that Mr. Peter has? That passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, sick sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed, every one. How many were healed? Why? Because they had unity. They commute, they, they, committed themselves to get so unified together that they created an atmosphere that became conducive for the Holy Spirit to have no choice but to do it. God told us to put a demand on the anointing. He told us to put a demand upon what it is that he has promised in his word. He said, remind me, tell me, and see if I'll not do it. He will do what he says he will do if you and I are willing to do what he told us to do. They unified themselves together. See, this is not something that's brand new to the church. This is something that has always been. They started it out with it right. They got unified together and it came to pass the way God said. Listen, there, there is such a, a a part of this area that you live in right here, that I live in, that the Spirit of God is moving in a strategic way and this house is a point of contact i'm telling you i've been around long enough i've seen a lot i've been i've been in a lot of things that have gone on Been in Catherine Kuhlman's meetings and, and and many, many other meetings and seeing God move in super, super supernatural ways. And it was because when I went to the Catherine Kuhlman meeting, it wasn't Catherine Kuhlman. It was what the people did in praise and worship. They ushered in the presence of God. And I saw people coming off of sick beds out of wheelchairs. I mean, they were there by the thousands on the, on the, on the stadium floor. And they just people getting up everywhere. Nobody touching them, just getting up because they got healed by the presence of God. The people were worshiping their God, just like we were worshiping our God, and the Holy Spirit just began to take control and begin to go up and down the aisles. Just sweeping up and down the aisles. Hallelujah. It did it the same here. They prayed for the sick pole, and every one of them got healed. I look forward to the day when we ask if there's anybody sick in the house and people don't lift their hands because there's nobody sick. And we shouldn't be. We have a covenant. We're winners in life. He has made us to be heirs and join heirs with him. Acts chapter 16. This is the one I wanted to get to. Acts chapter 16, two verses. It says, and at midnight, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there's Mr. Suddenly again. But why did Mr. Suddenly come? Because two people, two men that had just been whipped, put in stocks, stripped naked. They were naked in their confinement. That was part of the process of the torture. They were bleeding. It would have been a really good time to complain to God. God, I have served you for years. And look at me. Look where I'm at. I'm in stocks. I'm I, I'm bound. I'm stripped naked. That's not what they did. Paul and Silas, when they came to, they just they just got in agreement together and let's say let's pray, man. Let's pray. The Bible says, if any two on this earth will agree as touching anything that they ask, it'll be done of our Father which is in heaven. They got in agreement. They weren't holding hands. They just got in agreement in their spirit. Their soul, man, was hurting. Their body was hurting. It was in pain and suffering. But they began to pray. And then what did they do, Danny? They shifted in to praise. When they shifted into praise, then that shifted into worship. See, praise is just the outward expression. But worship comes from in It's when you begin to sing from your belly. He said, out of thy belly will end up flowing rivers of living waters. Something inside of them rose up on the inside, just like he's rising up on the inside of us. And great things are going to happen and take place, just like they did that day. There was a shaking of that prison. And the Bible says all of their bands were dropped. All of their shackles were gone. All the doors swung open. Listen, that's a good time to escape. I mean, the the, the jailmaker was in derision. He didn't know what to do. He was confused. His life is on the line here. And they all stayed. They all stay. Why? Why would somebody stay in something like that? Because of the anointing of God. If you've ever been in true revival, time means nothing. Back in the old brush arbor days, they just preached, and they preached, and they preached, and they preached. I wasn't in the Brush Arbor days, but man, I read a lot about it. Happened in the Methodist church. Great move of the Spirit of God. Azusa Street, same way. My final point is, is what what happened? Said suddenly. Mr. Suddenly always shows up when there's unity. Just like he did earlier when we were here. Just like he's here now. He's here to will and to do of his good pleasure. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open, and every man's bands were loosed. One more scripture we close. Philippians chapter 2. Now I want to give you the last thing, motivation. Why do we get unified? Why is it absolutely imperative that we be unified? What is its motivation? Philippians chapter two, starting at verse two. He said, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What is the key? He said that you have the same Love. What love is he talking about? He's not talking about phileo. He's not talking about a friendship love. He's not talking about Stargate. He's not talking about a Ross. He's talking about agape. If you've got Christ in you, you've got the love of God in you. Because part of the fruit of the Spirit Of the born-again believer is the fact that he has the same ingredients that God has in him. The very same thing that Christ had in him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I'm not the Son of God. I beg your pardon? We are sons of God. And daughters of God. Heirs and joint heirs. Joint means connected, equal with. You can't think it to be Well, God can't use me because I'm, God doesn't see you that way. The I am has to be let go. You have to get you set free from the nooses that you put yourself in. I don't care what you've done in your past. It doesn't make a difference to God. Matter of fact, God doesn't remember. If you ask him to come into your life, He forgot. He doesn't remember a thing. You throw something up there, he doesn't remember anything. If the accuser of the brethren tries to make his a, a plea against you, Jesus is standing right there. He is your in your, your court as your attorney. He's your elder brother, but he's also your attorney. And he stands there and God turns to him and he says, Well, what about this one? that he's talking about? It. He said he's washing the blood. The gavel of justice comes down and says, He's free. I don't even know what you're talking about. Get out of here. He has no right. Amen. And we certainly don't have any right. Listen, we've been the only army in the world that killed their wounded. They commit sin. They do something wrong. We boycott them. We should have been praying for them to start with. Listen, don't get mad at your at your your president. Your president is only as effective as the church is praying for him right now. He's God he's Cyrus, whether you like it or you don't like it. It's been prophesied by the prophets. Our prophet just stood before us Sunday morning. The apostle of this house and the prophet of God stood before this and, and gave us declaration concerning What's transpiring and taking place right now, and we're building on it for 2021. But 2020 is not over with. So we should be expecting God's greatest and God's best. Amen. And then it's just going to mushroom, and it's going to develop even greater. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Amen.